morning. I'm bringing the Deception in the Church series to an end and we're looking at judging and this is the second part of the judging sermon. So, so far we've looked at scriptures for and against judging or correctly, more correctly, when not to judge and when to judge. Uh, what we're responsible to judge, what we're responsible not to judge. We've looked at judging others and we've looked at judging those within the church. Uh, as I've mentioned in the first series, most of my notes are from Derek Prince. Not that I've been taught directly by him, but as a young preacher growing up in the church, I was heavily influenced by his teachings and also a lot of my material comes from our denominational uh, that, I wa- that I was in constitution with regards to um, discipline. Right, let's move on. The uh, Another area in which we need to judge is when two believers have a dispute. Now, Jesus is very clear in Scripture in terms of laying out a process of a resolution, dispute resolution that needs to take place between two brothers who sin and we can find that in Matthew chapter 18 verse 15 let me read it if your brother sins against you go and show him his fault just between the two of you if he listens to you, you have won your brother over but if he will not listen take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. That is a powerful passage of scripture in terms of dealing with people. So the first step that you need to take, if a brother comes against you and sins against you, your first step is to personally... Go face to face with a brother in a godly and biblical manner, recognizing within that brother that that brother is all, is a temple of the Holy Spirit, a child of the living God, and to confront this brother with regards to what he or she has done. If it is a she and you are a he, I would suggest you take your wife or someone else with you and vice versa. Not violate, not stepping up into the next stage, but just to keep your integrity intact in that manner. So the first step is that you go to the person, person on person. You do not phone them to deal with it. You do not SMS them to deal with it. You do not write them a letter. And especially you do not write them an anonymous letter. As far as I'm concerned, a person who writes an anonymous letter is a coward. And I give no apology for that. My experience through the years that I've been in the ministry shows me that most things taking place between Christians uh, generally can can be resolved in a godly manner on a one-on-one basis and you've won your brother over. However, I have found that this resolution process is not applied because the first thing a person does that is gets hurt or gets offended by another brother is to go to somebody else and start talking the situation up getting that person on their side getting that person all offended 
against the uh, person that's doing all the sinning and so begins a little gossip circle and all manner of evil will come in after that. That's the first step. Go person to person, deal with the matter. Inevitably, you'll find that you'll be able to resolve it right there and then and your brother, you will have made a brother. If your brother does not deal with it or does not want to deal with it or does not want to acknowledge it, then you take minimum of two witnesses with you and you deal with the matter again with the brother. Now, I have found at this stage, inevitably, you will lose the offending brother because if the person is pursuing this situation and they will not deal with the matter, they will run from your church. And then you will have to exercise treating that person like a pagan or a tax collector. If the person stays in the church and still is not prepared to resolve the matter, and you have the witnesses there, and it's still not resolved, then you have to take it before the church. Now, I know that a lot of church leaders do not like this, and this is not what is practiced on a regular basis within the church. So, once the church gathers together, hears the matter, makes its judgment, if that brother still refuses to accept the judgment of the church, the decision of the church, then that brother... In, in effect, forfeits their right to be treated as a member of that church and as a Christian. Jesus says, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Many, many issues can be resolved and you will find that uh, you will have a higher standard within the church if this three-step process would get applied on a regular basis. There's quite a few things that concern me about this. How little it is practiced and how people in the church more often go into a gossip circle and have a whole lot of offended Christians running around um, dealing with it or running from one church to another. So they get offended, they get dealt with, then they hop out to the next church or they hop out just before the, 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 the Second stage meeting or the third stage meeting. Second stage meeting is with the witnesses. The third stage meeting is with the church. What I can't fathom, I can't fathom it, but what blows my mind is the fact that when a person in the same area comes to another church, they're not questioned. In my mind, you only, you only leave a church because, one, you're not being taught correctly there, so you need a disciple environment. Or, two, God has told you to move on to another church. Or three, you're running ahead of being disciplined in that church. And so we've got so many people going from church to church that are considered church growth candidates, but actually they're carrying offenses a mile long and, 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 and just bringing that into your church. It's, it, it blows my mind. I mean, I can remember a situation where a, a group of young, uh, young men who were in a men's ministry leadership team of another church that we were helping set up their ministry. And what happens is oftentimes when you really start to go deep with men, all kinds of issues start to surface in their lives when you start to deal with heart issues and sin issues and stronghold issues. And this one person in the group 
came out and said that he believed that he had the right to have multiple marriages and he was in love with one of the other brothers' wives. And obviously this caused deep consternation within the group. Took it to their local church and their local church sort of elders hummed and hawed about it. Obviously a one-on-one meeting didn't, didn't resolve it. Um, they came to me for advice. I said, this is the process that you need to take. Take it to your church elders. Take it to the church. Ultimately, the elders swept it under the carpet. The, 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 the brother that was offended and, and damaged left the church. And the brother that was the sinner remained in the church. And, the, and that men's ministry team, which had so much potential, basically began to split up at that point. Somehow or another, I found myself ministering in that church a couple of months later. And this brother, after the meeting, uh, having a cup of tea with the congregation, walked up to me in the middle of the hall and wanted to chat with me as if nothing had happened. And I rebuked him publicly and quite loudly. And the discussion got quite loud, but not one person in that congregation turned around, looked at us and did a thing. Eventually, that brother left me. You know, and stormed out. And one of the people of the church, men of the church, walked up and said, thank you for doing that. And I was thinking in my head, and my wife was thinking in her head, well, why didn't you men deal with him earlier on? And maybe deal with that guy's strongholds and get him out of that sin. It blows my mind. It really blows my mind. And that's one of the things that I'm really concerned about, is that the authority that is vested in the church is not understood and not exercised correctly. Um, another area that Paul, that, that, uh, in discipline that Paul deals with, you can find in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 to 6, If any of you has a dispute with another, dare he take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, appoint as judges even men of little account in the church. I say this to, to your shame. It is, possible that, is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? Notice how strong Paul comes out against a Christian taking another Christian to the law court to settle the dispute. Now we're not saying, and I'm not saying, that um, going to court, going to the law for a Christian is, 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 is not allowed. I'm just saying that you have to take it into the church and deal with matters between Christians within the church. So, we as Christians need to judge between the disputes of believers. Another area that we are to judge, we are to judge doctrines and ministries. Let me turn to Romans chapter 16 verse 17. I urge you brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. 
if a person walks in and begins to promote and teach incorrect doctrine, that will become a source of division within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you need to be personally responsible for the maintenance of true doctrine, the teachings of Jesus in your life. And the leaders of the church are responsible to to make sure that if they have a guest speaker or a, a visiting speaker coming through, that that person will teach the correct doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, hear me. If you find that someone is promoting within the congregation a member, like for example this brother that I just spoke to you about, he was promoting a doctrine where he thought he could have multiple wives. But the church did nothing about it. In actual fact, if someone is promoting an incorrect doctrine, you have to refuse fellowship for them. And the basis for judging the refusing of fellowship, the refusing of welcoming them into the church as a member, is doctrinal error because it breeds division within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Revelation 2.2, Jesus spoke to the church of Ephesus. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars. So Jesus actually commended this church, even though he had a problem with other areas within this church because they had lost their first love. But he commended them because they had continuously um, examined, checked out and tested every person that came through and called themselves an apostle or a prophet with a teaching. We need to be very, very careful about what kind of teaching we allow in and what kind of teachers we allow in. And this is the purpose of this whole series on deception in the church. You need to be very, very clear on what you are receiving. And you have the right to judge the teachings of another person and to test whether they are true apostles or true prophets of God. How do we identify false ministries? Well, we are to identify them and we are to identify whether they are from God or whether they are not from God. Now Jesus again gives us a very, very clear picture on how we are to identify these ministries. And we can find this in the book of Matthew chapter 7 verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Any person involved with a false spirit, a demon spirit, an evil spirit, promoting a false doctrine, is your enemy. Now, the primary attack of the devil against you will be like the snake. Satan will appear like the snake. Deception. When he appears like the snake, it's deception. When he appears like the dragon, it's persecution. So he will come like a snake. 
he will come and try to transform himself into an angel of light. Into His ministers will come and transform themselves into true apostles. But they are actually wolves in disguise. They will try and act like Christians. They will try and infiltrate the Christian church as Christians. They will try to claim to be real Christians. But they are not real Christians. Something that really irritates me is when you are judging these people, you've got these sheeples running around that are trying to protect them and they are so clueless because it's actually a wolf in a sheep's clothing that they're trying to protect. Someone who is actually not a Christian. So Jesus goes on in verse 16 to give us some clues in terms of how we are able to identify them. By their fruit... You will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? We go on to verse 20 from 17. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit... You will recognize them. And then in verse 21 it says, Not everyone will enter the kingdom of God. You know, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of God. So it's talking about people that are promoting false doctrines. I got this illustration from Derek Prince. The difference between fruit and a gift. Now, when you are trying to identify false ministers... Because of the influence of the world and the, the, the way the world looks at success, a lot of people will look to the gifts and the manifestation of gifts to identify whether that person is actually a true prophet or a false prophet or a true apostle or a false apostle. Where in actual fact, we are to look for fruit. The fruit is where we need to be judging whether these guys are true or not. Not their gifts. Because their gifts are given to them by God. And they've not paid for the gifts. It's the fruit that has been grown that we need to look for. And the illustration is like a Christmas tree that is adorned with all these gifts. One time they get put on there and then all that has to happen is by a single act they can take them out. Whereas a fruit tree has to be planted, has to be watered, has to be tended, has to be pruned, has to be grown, and then bear fruit. The fruit that we are to look for is character, Christian character. And you can read this throughout the scriptures, because, for example, to promote someone to the position of deacon or elder, we are to look at character. What is this person's character like? What is the person's reputation like? What is this person's family like? What does the person's wife say about them? What does the person's children say about them? Or husband say about them? It's a character that is developed over a process of time through the work of the Holy Spirit in the sanctification process that leads to that person becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Philippians chapter 2 verse 22 where, where Paul is identifying Timothy. 
So Philippians chapter 2 verse 22 it says this. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. Because as a son with his father he has served me. Uh, served with me in the work of the gospel. Proven character. Now here's a warning for you. If you approach the spiritual realm looking for instantaneous success. And I'm not saying that God will not work instantaneously with you in answering prayer. But if your primary motive is to go to church to get an instant fix... To go to a guest speaker to get an instant fix. To go to a conference to get an instant fix. You will open yourself up for deception. So be on your guard. You must personally be on your guard. With regards to the type of ministry that you allow within your life. Uh, Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And he gives us a way to test these things. Let me read from verses 1 to verse 3. So 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1 to 3. But specifically verse 3 here. Now about spiritual gifts brothers. I do not want you to be ignorant. Dumb. I want you to be dumb about this. You know that when you were pagans. Somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute dumb idols. I put that word in dumb. Now, here it is. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Okay? That is a key thing that you need to understand the key phrase you need to understand there let me read it again verse 3 therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the spirit of God says Jesus be cursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit so here we have a person who calls himself a prophet or an apostle. Or whatever. Now when we come to that person. And that person now is wanting to impart. Doctrine. Teachings. Laying on of hands. Prayer ministry. Prophetic words to me. I need to test to see whether that person. Is a true prophet. True apostle. True messenger. Or a false prophet. False apostle. False messenger. I am not to test the person's spirit, but I am to test the spirit in the person. Do you understand? Do you, are, you, are you seeing that now? I am not here to test that person's spirit. I am here to test the spirit that is living in the person. And there is one question that needs to be settled. And there is one question I can use to test the spirit that is living in the person that wants to speak to me. Is the spirit that is manifesting itself the Holy Spirit? 
Or is the spirit an actual demon spirit, an evil spirit? So to apply the test, I have to speak directly to the spirit in the person. And I have to challenge that spirit to reveal to me their attitude and belief with regards to Jesus. Is Jesus Lord? If the Spirit acknowledges that Jesus is Lord, then it's of the Holy Spirit. If it refuses to answer me, if it blasphemes, if it obfuscates, if it tries to hum and ha, if it gives me a big story, then it's an evil spirit, it is a demon. That's the decisive test. What is the Spirit's attitude in the person towards Jesus. It's either going to honor Jesus Christ or it's going to deny Jesus Christ. It will never be neutral. Never. If we turn our Bibles to the book of First John, we can see how John emphasizes the fact that we need to test every spirit. And so people that are coming to me really irritate me when they, when they come along and they try and say, oh, well, we can't judge. Yes, I can. I have to judge every spirit that wants to speak to me. And I have to test to see whether that spirit is the Holy Spirit of God or it is a demon spirit or an evil spirit. In verse 1 of 1 John chapter 4, dear friends, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now notice that. He, he says false prophets have gone out into the world. But you have to test every spirit to see whether the spirit is of God. Notice the relationship between the false prophet and the false spirit. A prophet or a preacher or a minister is someone... Who allows a spirit to speak through them. If the Holy Spirit is speaking through a person. That person is a true prophet. True messenger. If another spirit is speaking to that person. Any other spirit speaking through that person. It is a false spirit. And it is there to deceive you. To lead you astray. And John 10.10 10, Kill, steal and destroy anything that you have. Because that spirit hates you with a passion. Verse 2 of 1 John chapter 4. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist. Which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Anyone who is promoting agnostic Jesus. Now remember we've taught you about Gnosticism earlier on. That, that person is speaking by an antichrist spirit. That person is promoting an antichrist religion. The primary test is the spirit's attitude towards Jesus. Has he come, the Messiah, in the flesh, in a physical body? 
If we move over to 2 John, verses 7 to 9, many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any, su- any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone be reward, uh, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teachings of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teachings has both the Father and the Son. Again, notice the test. Has the Messiah come in the flesh? If the Spirit does not accept it, acknowledge it, affirm this, that Spirit is a deceiving Spirit. One of your sure safeguards in this matter is to make sure that you fully understand the doctrines of Jesus Christ. And the doctrines of Jesus Christ are the teachings of Jesus out of the Gospels of Matthew and as they have been explained as well by the Apostles in the Epistles of the New Testament. That is the doctrines of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1-5 we can see here how Paul lays out some of these doctrines for us. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have, you have believed in vain. For what I received I have passed on to you as the first importance as of the first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve after that he appeared to the more than 500 brothers at that time so we've got to basically understand We've got to know our foundations. We've got to know how to apply this judgment. For there is no other foundation anyone can lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 11. The last thing I want to say on this point is we, we as Christians, we, we, we are going to be held accountable by God for... Our conduct with regards to what we say and how we deal with these kind of people that are actually promoting false doctrines. Uh, and especially, this is especially true in the, this age that we're going to be going into where a lot of pressure is going to come on the church to compromise on, on moral issues, for example, like gay marriage. We must be very careful not to say or do anything that would be interpreted as condoning or endorsing these doctrinal errors that have been propagated by other people that call themselves Christians but are actually wolves in sheep's clothing. So we've got to be very, very attuned to what the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is, the doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ and how we uh, speak about them, and how we talk about them. And we, we, we will be held accountable with regards to our conduct uh, 
in terms of what we say regarding these false doctrines. Let me bring this all to a conclusion. I've got four quick points and then just one scripture just to give to you so that you can think about it and meditate about it. Generally speaking, when we judge someone, and these are four points that I've gotten from Derek Prince, and as I've said earlier, uh, most of my material on judging is from him, and I've been using this throughout my ministry. Judge with righteous judgment. Number one. Number two, judge on the basis of proven fact. Not hearsay. Don't listen to people. Get the facts. Number three, the accused has the right to face you or to face his accusers. And number four, judge on the basis of at least two or preferably three reliable witnesses. As we conclude the Deception in the Church series, I want to thank you for listening. And I just want to pray that you will be able to use the tools that we've given you over the series effectively and that you are able to apply them to your life and safeguard yourself, especially in this time of deception we're going into. And I believe that we are going to be headed into even more serious levels of deception that are that are going to make what we seen today look like uh, kindergarten, sandbox, play school stuff. So we really need to get close to the Lord. We need to get tucked into the cleft of the rock. We need to get the word of God in our hearts. And we need to stay true and really become a, a people of the covenant. Covenant with God. And, and be able to be very, very discerning with regards to what we accept and what we don't accept as we move into the last days. The podcasts are going to be... Um, going into a series of discipleship and then after that there'll be a series on worship currently I'm now studying uh, on the end times and I'll be presenting a whole series of podcasts on end times God willing at the end of this year and and let me mark it for people this is 2015 and so at the end of the year God willing will be able to present the series on end times which which is Basically a continuation of deception in the church, but looking more specifically at the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. The final scripture I want to leave with you today and to end off the series is found in Deuteronomy chapter 13 and verses 1 to 4. If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams, appears among you and announces to you a miraculous sign or wonder. And if the sign or wonder of which he has spoken takes place, and he says, let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them, you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart, and with all your soul. If the Lord your God, it is the Lord your God you must follow, and Him you must revere. Keep His commands and obey Him. Serve Him and hold fast to Him. As I close, 
if you find yourself in an environment that is allowing deception in and you do not know what to do, I would recommend that you download my free e-booklet called Finding a Discipleship Environment off our website www.life-house.net forward slash f-a-d-e dot pdf that is a free download and that will give you tools with which to enable you to find an environment that is going to make you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ I hope and pray that this has blessed you And I pray that you will be safe and that you will be kept in the palm of the hand of Almighty God. I pray that your discernment will be activated through the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you will be able to walk from strength to strength in this time of growing darkness. And that your light will shine and that you will bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the Father. In the name of Jesus, God bless you.